Welcome back, baseball fans, to episode 29 of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. Very exciting episode today. Uh, we're going to take you through the Miguel Cabrera 3,000 hit party. Uh, we're going to run through our rapid recap. We're going to do our spicy and dicey of the week, talk about a couple other storylines, um, notably what the hell happened at Yankee Stadium. A lot of great stuff. We got a special guest uh, who we'll introduce after the intro. Roll the intro. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Alright, Max, we are here. We're joined by our Detroit correspondent, Sam, who actually was sitting in the audience to watch Miguel Cabrera uh, rewrite some baseball history and get hit number 3000. So thank you, Sam, for taking the time to join the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, uh, James and Max. Very happy to be here. Um, and yeah, talk a little bit about what, uh, what, what, was, what was in the air in Detroit yesterday. So I don't know, Max, if you kind of want to set the scene leading up to this 3,000th hit, because it hasn't gone exactly seamless. Yeah, sure. So as everybody's probably aware, Miguel Cabrera was approaching 3,000 hits. He was four hits away last week when he had a three-hit game. So he cut it to one one hit away. He was at 2,999. Didn't get it that day. He had one more plate appearance, didn't get it. The next day, he had another chance to get it. Um he his final at bat, the Yankees intentionally walked him, which was to the dismay of many Detroit fans. But yesterday, um, after some postponements, then as well, yesterday he was finally able to get it done, playing the Colorado Rockies at home, um, and get three thousand and three thousand one. It's pretty good. Um, what was it like there? What was the atmosphere like? I mean, obviously everybody's got to be on the edge of their seat to see baseball history. Yeah, the, the environment was absolutely awesome. Um, probably one of the coolest environments. I've definitely one of the coolest environments I've ever seen for a regular season uh, game in the middle of April, um, especially when you take into context that they're playing, you know, pretty non-notable team in the Rockies. Um, fans were there early. Everyone was in their seats early, which is, uh, you know, I feel like pretty rare um, for a regular season baseball game. That's usually more late arriving crowd. So there's definitely a buzz about it, especially with, like you said, um, the lead up to it, that, you know, big game from him um, a couple of days ago, got everyone kind of feeling that, okay, this weekend was what it was going to be. And it set up really well, actually, because on Friday night, um, it was terrible weather. So uh, there was a good chance that the crowd wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be a full crowd uh, to watch it happen. Thankfully, that game got postponed, which made it become a, a, a Saturday day game for people to, you know, all come out um, and, and get into the stadium. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool just to see, um, you know, everyone standing up and ready to go with their phones out as soon as he came up to bat. So the fans were definitely really geared up to it, and uh, they got their wish and were able to see it. Yeah, I think that was my biggest question. So right as they introduced the name, everyone on their feet, just ready, kind of waiting, counting down. Yeah. 
Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I was one of them. You know, it was a you know it was a sellout, which again is, is pretty rare. I feel like for a meaningless April game. Um, and as soon as you know, it was it was his first at bat of the day, and I think uh, that made it even better. He got it out of the way early, and then everyone was able to just kind of enjoy able to enjoy the rest of the game. Um, and it was a really cool moment. I think that these fans in Detroit. They obviously uh, they haven't had a lot to uh, to celebrate, so it's good for them to be able to get a a win as fans like this. Um, I haven't been in the city for too long, but just from talking to fans, um, it sounds like they're uh, you, you categorize them as fans who, uh, who who get the least return with the amount that they give. They're in that category. They're really into their team, um, and you know they love they love all their guys, and they're clearly still they're still in pain from not being able to get the job done when they had you know that amazing. Uh, team with Scherzer and Verlander and Mickey and right. uh, you know those guys all there at the same time. You can tell that they're still in a lot of pain from that time, and uh, you know it was really cool to be able to get watch them celebrate um, a player like that. Who you know it, it's rare to see a guy with as impressive as a career as he has had spend the majority of his career in a place like Detroit that isn't necessarily a uh, big time. Yeah, I mean, that, that run from 2011 to 2013, they had three of the four AL MVPs, um, two from Miguel Cabrera, one yeah. for uh, Verlander. Just really unfortunate they couldn't get it done there. And this seemed like a huge win for a Detroit team that, that while has a much better roster than they've carried in the last, say, four or five years, you know, this is a team that's probably not going to be there in October um, so to get this kind of win and validation, I mean, for the last four days, national eyes have been on the Tigers. It's like, when do the Tigers play? You know, when does Miggy back? Yeah. Gotta watch it. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. And then, you know, it, that's exactly right. It was, it was, it's cool to see a place like Detroit be able to be a national story um, in the sports world. And, you know, as soon as uh, after the hit, you know, it, it's a really cool moment. The game stops. And that's something that I think is very unique in baseball when you're able to you know, have those milestone moments and the game just kind of gets put on pause to celebrate the player. Um, they did like a video right after of all the guys who are still living that had 3000 hits congratulating him, um, which was, which was sick seeing all those guys on the screen, um, giving him that shout out video. And then a lot of, and then a video of other former teammates that weren't, uh, weren't with the Tigers anymore, Verlander, Scherzer, those guys giving him a little shout on the screen was really cool. Um, and yeah, like I said, I mean, the, yeah, the fans, the fans love it. I mean, he got the curtain call. It probably was a, you know, good 10, 15 minute pause in the game, um, after he got the hit, which was super, super cool. And yeah, I've, I've been lucky to see some cool baseball moments in person. I, I went to a world series game once I've seen a no hitter and this is definitely, I'd say right there, just as far as, uh, the fans being into it and the electricity that was kind of in the, uh, in the air. Uh, there. Was there any letdown after the hit had happened? You mentioned it was the first at bat. So then the rest of the game was it kind of like, okay, we did our thing for the year. Well, they piled on the runs after that, right? Yeah, right after that, the floodgates kind of broke open. I think they about broke batted around the order that inning. Um, so it was kind of just a continued celebration. Every time he came, stayed in the game, every time he came up afterwards, the fans were still just going nuts. It was like a whole, you know, a whole another curtain call every time that he came up, which is really cool to see. And uh, very deserved because, again, um, you know, you, you look at the course of his career and it's, it's crazy that he's a guy uh, from overseas. And uh, obviously at that time in Florida, for the most part, he's spent his whole U.S. life in a city like Detroit, which is, a, you know, a, a city that uh, on the national radar doesn't necessarily get the respect I think it deserves. So it, it's cool for to see a guy like that be able to be celebrated by their fans.
Yeah, it was, it was a really great moment. I mean, obviously, he's had an incredible career. He's like one in six, six other guys who've hit 500 homers and 3,000 hits. Um, he's won two MVPs, 11-time All-Star. I mean, probably first ballot Hall of Famer. He's never been in any type of like PED issues. And yeah. yeah, I think it's like it's not like he was from on some other team and just happened to be on the Tigers and get the moment. Like to have that moment in in Detroit uh, after spending you know the majority of his career there, um, that must have been pretty special. And I it, I did notice he usually batted fourth. I, I from what I remember watching other games, but they moved him to third so he'd get that first inning at bat. Right. And I was really hoping he'd get it done because you know yeah. that that like looming pressure of you know, all eyes on you. That's probably not very fun. Yeah. Like, and like you said, it, it, the resume that he has now is incredibly impressive. And I don't think people, you know, even appreciate what a good career he's had. Like you were saying, two MVPs, 3,500, one of only a hand. And yeah, he should be a first bout Hall of Famer. It'll be interesting to see if that happens with uh, the weirdness of baseball writers and things like that. Yeah. But I, I don't see how, yeah, it, it, you know, you look at his career and I honestly don't think he gets the respect he deserves um nationally and, and from fans and people forget to he has that world series on his resume as well from his yeah. so he's had a very yeah one of the all-time all-time resumes uh when you look at it and i, I don't know how he couldn't be a, a first bout hall of fame i have a, a one more question to ask about the game and then we'll kind of pivot back into his career and then we're actually going to do an impromptu hall of fame or not um for miguel cabrera and that question is after Miguel Cabrera got the 3,000th hit and was on the base path, Spencer Torkelson, who is the number one prospect in Detroit, very high prospect in baseball, hit a home run to score him. You know, on Twitter, it was this passing of the torch moment. And I wondered if that was the atmosphere in the stadium, if it felt like, okay, thank you for everything, Miggy. There's a new era of baseball in Detroit now. Yeah, I'd say definitely. People have been really excited about Torkelson. Um, you know, probably the first – prospect they've had like that of notability in quite some time um Akil Badu is pretty good last year but he's had a big letdown so far this year so I think and, and Torkelson's been been fun to watch and so I think there's definitely yeah there's definitely a uh kind of that that train of thought from the fans they're excited for him to kind of be their next guy um and you know like you said their their roster is much more competitive than it's ever been so he can hopefully uh as Miggy's declining um you know Take that, take that spot for him as the guy, pair with Javi in the lineup, and uh, you know, get them to a competitive place again. So, I yeah, I'd say that's definitely, definitely was uh, kind of a, a in the air from the fans. And I, I have on my side just a quick graphic to run through of how, just to put into perspective, how crazy his career has been. Um, so, of the three thousand hit, five hundred homer club, uh, there are six others. Him being the seventh to join that club. Of the 3,000 hit, 500 homer, 300 average club, that would be Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and Miguel Cabrera. That is the group. That is an insane, insane group to be around. Two of probably two of the best players in baseball that he's joining. Right. For sure. Um, 3,000 hits, 500 homer, 600 doubles. That would be uh, Hank Aaron, Albert Pujols, and Miguel Cabrera. 3,000 hits, 500 homers, and two MVPs. That would be Albert Pujols, Alex Rodriguez, Willie Mays, and Miguel Cabrera. Of course, Alex Rodriguez has two PED scandals. Um, then you can look at the multiple batting titles and home run titles, plus 3,000 hits, 500 home runs. Uh, and that would be Hank Aaron and Miguel Cabrera. Uh, so that in itself is insane. And then 3,000 hits, 500 homers, and a batting triple crown. 
that is only Miguel Cabrera in the history of baseball. It just an insane career. And, you know, you forget because he's on the, the back half of it or the back nine last quarter, just how good he was in his two back-to-back MVP seasons, two of the best seasons of baseball. The stats look fake. I mean, just an insane career. It is. Yeah. And when you look at it, it's almost like, you know, it's been going for so long. He's had two almost separate stints of being that good. You break it, his career up into two, it wouldn't necessarily be two Hall of Fame careers, but you're looking at two very impressive careers um, if you were to split split his time his time up. Uh, do you think, I was just wondering from your perspective as more of experts, do, why, why is it that you that he doesn't necessarily get the appreciation um, among fans and across the league? Um, that he probably should, uh, as far as how, how impressive his career has been when you, when you stack him up against those other other legends. Yeah, I mean, I think there might be two things. I mean, one, he doesn't really play the field, so maybe, you know, he's right. only out there half the time. He doesn't have that type of exposure. Um, and I think also part of it might be just the lacklusterness of Tiger's baseball um, since since those Verlander days. Like, they haven't, yeah. you know, been super competitive. He hasn't been on, you know, national TV games or the main stage. But I think, I mean, like, he is clearly one of the best of the best. From a pure hitting standpoint, like, I can't really think, I mean, like, he might just be the best ever. Two MVPs, seven silver sluggers, a triple crown, which, as you guys know, is winning batting average, most home runs, most RBIs in one season. Um, Where that year he had 44 homers, 139 RBIs, and a 330 batting average. Um but yeah, I mean, it is interesting because you think of guys like, I don't know, maybe like Big Poppy or A-Rod who have similar type of resumes, but maybe are more more known across the league. Maybe it's just because they're in Boston and, you know, it's the Red Sox and Yankees or something like that. But I don't know. It is interesting. It does seem like he isn't as much of a household name as some of those other guys. Yeah, that's a good point. The other thing that I just want to jump in with quickly. And you talked about, you know, he's certainly in the conversation for best hitter ever. Um, and, you know, all kinds of reasons you could argue that he is by far and away the best hitter in the history of baseball at being able to use the full field. I mean, and that's why it was so fitting to me that his three styles on hit was an oppo blast. Um, you know, I mean, and that's just, yeah. there's jokes that he's made on, on planes, one that's been going around where they saw he had a ton of cash in his bag. And right before he pit it up, the whole plane was laughing. He held up a fistful of it and said, if you learn to hit the right field, this is what happens. So just incredible at blasting the ball the other way and beating the shift. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that, that hit was right, you know, just split the, split the gap. It was, it was as good as you could place it. It was really cool for you to see that as a hit as well. Yeah, and he knew right yeah. away. He, like, ran the down finger. the finger up. Yeah, that was, was very great. cool. I was kind of so, hoping he would hit a homer for his 3,000th because his first hit was a homer, his 1,000th hit was a homer, and his 2,000th hit was a homer. But I didn't know that stat. Know, That's really cool. That would have been cool. <laughs> Has, Jeter did that. Is Jeter the only one who's done that? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I know, I know. yeah, Jeter did hit his 3,000th was a homer. I'm not sure. I can't think of one yeah, off the top of my head. Man. We won't – and this is kind of also some context. If you look at the list – it's going to be a long time before we get a 3,000 hit club. Everyone yeah, that's right. even remotely close yeah, is too was, to do. I think the closest is Robinson Cano, and he's, yeah. what, 30. Yeah, I was looking at it. It's crazy. If you look at even, like, Mike Trout, like, we don't, you don't know if he's going to get there just because of the injury time he's missed and things like that. Um, he's not – I don't think he's – I think he's actually not on pace right now. If you just kind of ran the numbers and project that he will eventually decline because he'll get older. 
Um, Altuve is probably going to do it. If you look at his, I think he's he's probably the most realistic. If you look at the pace, if he can huge asterisk, pace, yeah, it's going to probably be a while. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, yeah, you have to take that into consideration too. Um, but that it, it is crazy that you know it's yeah. It was the 33rd of all time, so you don't see that. Really yeah, like, yeah, going down the list, you have Robinson Cano is at 2,631. He probably won't do it. Yachty's next at 2,100. He, this is the last season. He's about to be done, yeah. right? Yeah. Joey Votto's next at 2,035, and he, he probably won't get it, but he's still got you know a couple years left in the tank. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Altuve is – because then you have Nelson Cruz, Elvis Andrews, McCutcheon, but these guys are all sub-2,000 hits, Evan Longoria – so, right. you know, they're far away. Freddie Freeman's um, in 12th out of current players at 1722. So, you know, who knows? Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. There won't be another that's, moment yeah, like this for crazy. a while. It's going to be at least four okay. to five years minimum. I mean, I think one who may be tracking the best for it's Juan Soto, who's 23 and just got his 500. Soto, I think, well, yeah, he's just so young that you don't know what's going to happen yet. But he definitely yeah, has the, he has all the capabilities, and as long as his career – continues at the pace he's at he doesn't have any you know significant injury troubles then yeah he's most likely going to get there at some point so it was i mean definitely baseball history it was a great moment i think league-wide everyone was cheering for him also it was really fun when aaron boone was like public enemy number one like through baseball for like 12 hours oh people were yeah it was was hilarious um you know even though you could probably say that was the right baseball play it was just hilarious that uh everyone in detroit yeah made him public enemy number one and then they were able to get that movement carried throughout all of like baseball twitter and stuff like that um that, that was really funny and then yeah i mean the, the yeah the the, the storyline of it too and the build-up i think um you know made the moment even even better yeah that, you know absolutely awesome moment for baseball awesome moment for miguel cabrera and and it, i think it was a good you talk about how he doesn't have that national exposure I think this was kind of a good moment to really open a lot, you know, get the tweets flowing and everyone understand like, wow. Right. A lot of people didn't probably even realize if you're a casual, if you're a baseball fan or a casual baseball fan, you probably didn't realize how close he was to that milestone either. Cause you just, you know, in the back of your head, you're like, Oh, he's in that category with those 30, you know, 32 other guys. They, they probably didn't realize he was on that level. And so it was almost, you know, probably, probably a, a surprise to some people to see that he was see, watch all this unfold and realize how close he was. So yeah, I think it was it was good for that for that um, you know recognition for him and people as his career unwinds, appreciating what he's done in the game and uh, yeah, realizing that there's probably that's something you, a player like that doesn't come around that often. And I've got a follow up question for you as kind of the Detroit sports uh, correspondent slash expert. Matt Stafford was actually able to yeah. come back to the game for hit 3,000. So, of course, that is the biggest, two biggest Detroit sports legends in 20 years, by my estimations. Did the stadium know? Did you have any idea Stafford was there until after the game, seeing the tweets and stuff? Yeah, I didn't know until they saw They showed something very briefly. Um, and I don't even think it was until later in the game after all that had happened because they wanted to fully give – uh, Miggy that moment and not let kind of the the weird the weird love situation they have with Stafford uh, kind of affect the mood at all. So yeah, they cut to him very. I think it was at the end towards the end of the game and they showed that he was there. But I was yeah, I had no idea until until that and then saw some stuff. And so and I mean there. from a Detroit about, sports perspective, that's got to make it maybe not even sweeter, but it's just like man, Matt Stafford really does love Detroit. He's there, right? You right. Know. Yeah, the Stafford thing is definitely really weird. I've noticed that as well being here. It's a unique relationship that Detroit 
just Detroit sports in general. It's it's a very unique situation they've going on because, like I said, uh, at least in recent years, kind of across the board, there I don't think there is any fan base across the Big Four that has uh, put in more towards their teams to get less <laughs> out of it, which is which is rough. Um, so, but it is a great sports town. I, I've been, like I said, not here for very long, but um, every the way the city's the way the sports situation is set up is all the arenas slash stadiums are all within like walking distance from each other. Great sports area. The fans get super into it, and they love them all across the board, whether it's Pistons, Red Wings, Tigers, or Lions. Um, so yeah, they. I think I think it was a you know it's a cool moment probably in in some ways, but I think that relationship is also a little bit complicated with Stafford. It was also weird yesterday because wasn't a wasn't a game one of a doubleheader? Because didn't they play again later? Yeah. Yeah, they played later, and I don't even know. I was gone. I don't even know if Mickey played the next game because I was I was long gone at that point. But uh, yeah, because that game before I got rained out, which yeah, it was uh, it was it was it was definitely uh, interesting how that all. How that well, was. and just to speak to that, there was like a, a video of Mickey doing a champagne toast with the whole locker room, and I was trying to figure out was that before the second game, <laughs> like where they just. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know the context of that. I did I didn't see that, and I'm not sure when it when it was. But uh, and I don't know how the crowd was for the second game. I imagine it was still decent, just because people probably already right. had tickets and it was a really good uh, weather day, like the first day since I've been here that it wasn't you know miserable out. Um, so I'd imagine it was still a good environment afterwards. So, but uh, yeah, not sure when that when exactly that that happened. All right, Sam, one last order of business before we can let you go. We said we would do a Hall of Fame or not. So I think, you know, we've kind of talked about the career and set it up for perspective. So I'll just pose the question to you and rip it right over to you then, Max. Sam, do you think Miguel Cabrera makes Cooperstown, the Baseball Hall of Fame? I think it's, yes, absolutely. He's got to be in if you just look at the numbers and you look at who else has done that and the elite company that he's around. There's no way he couldn't be. And like I said earlier, that that resume is crazy with the multiple MVPs, the triple crown, those uh, the, those achievements and hitting uh, hitting those hitting those marks, and then having the low key World Series on his resume too that people forget about. I think it should be more of just a question at this point. And, you know, you never know because, like I said, baseball writers are crazy, but it really should just be a question of is he first ballot or not? Because yes, I think he has the uh, the numbers and the resume that he definitely should be uh, uh, first ballot. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree I, I he's also one of those guys like he's never been involved in like pd controversy or anything like that so there's no question mark from that end and his stats certainly are good enough to be in the hall of fame so i agree i think the question is just is it first ballot or not and i think you know i think if he's not a first ballot hall of famer then who is um so yeah i think he's for sure a hall of famer yeah, I mean, I think I'm in the same boat with you where it's not a question of is he in or not. It's a question of first ballot. And we just saw David Ortiz go and on a first ballot. You know, I love Ortiz. Miguel Cabrera is a significantly better uh, hitter, you know, baseball history. And I just think, you know, we've talked about the Hall of Fame before. You have to be one of the best at your position group through your career to make it. And I think there's no doubt that Miguel Cabrera is probably the best hitter of this generation, if not, it's him and Albert, and then there's right. no one else that even stands near those guys. So I think that's a consensus. Miguel Cabrera, yeah, it's a consensus. Going to be a Hall of Fame. Hopefully, baseball writers, yeah, baseball writers don't don't mess it up. Which I think, I mean, they could. I mean, they could. They'd probably pull out something weird about how they don't. He wasn't nice to reporters <laughs> or something, and then they'll use that as a reason to not vote him. So. Hopefully it doesn't happen, though. Yeah, ho- hopefully no surprises. And then you were there for hit 3,000 of a Hall of Fame career, which would be pretty special moment. There we go.
All right. And with that, Sam, uh, we appreciate it. And we are going to move on with the rest of the show. Yeah. Thanks for joining. And uh, that was a, that was a great segment. Thank you again, Sam, for joining us, James, as we, uh, continue that was you know obviously the big storyline in all of baseball this week it was great to have somebody there on the scene kind of talk about it a little bit but as we do on all Sundays let's recap the week in our rapid recap segment talk about all the series that have happened and fly through it as quickly as possible here we go how about an NL Central matchup the Pittsburgh Pirates head to Milwaukee to play the Brewers Brewers as you would expect sweep the Pirates 3-0 Yelich hits a grand slam in game one Corbin Burns looks like his NL Cy Young self gets 10 Ks in game two. And Woodruff uh, looks like that rotation's back. Six innings pitched, nine Ks, one hit. Brewers get the easy sweep of the Pirates. Sticking with another NL Central club, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, were visiting the Chicago Cubs. The Rays came ahead with a 2-1 victory in the series. Uh, Pat Wisdom homered in game one and game two for the Cubs, but did not play in game three. Wander Franco had an incredible series. He went three for five with a home run in game one. Um, or a home run plus an additional RBI single, I believe, in game two. And he had a couple different circus catches that are must-watch. And in game three, Marcus Stroman got beat up. Um, he's 0-2 on the year. He's got a 8 ERA, and that was an 8-2 win for Tampa Bay. How about the AL West? Two of the most notable teams out there, the Los Angeles Angels and the Houston Astros. Angels visiting Houston and get the series win 2-1. to one. Uh, Houston's only win was in Game 1 where Jordan Alvarez hit two home runs in that game. But Framber Valdez had a tough start in Game 2, Angels all over him. In Game 3, Shohei goes five perfect innings and six innings pitched, one hit, 12 strikeouts. Also went two for four from the plate with two RBIs um, and a walk. And Angels win that one pretty impressively, and Shohei is back. The Phillies travel to Colorado to take on the Rockies. The Rockies defended home territory with a 2-1 series win. Uh, in Game 1, Chad Cool from Colorado had a great six-inning start. Uh, Charlie Blackman got his first home run of the year. In game 2, we saw C.J. Cron hit a monster home run, collect four, four RBIs on the game. And then uh, Kyle Schwarber also hit a home run for Philly. Didn't matter. But coming around the game three, the Phillies did get the win on the back of Nick Castellanos, who went three for four with a home run. Um, Schwarber also homered in game three, so that's back-to-back games with homers. And Kron collected two more RBIs in game three despite the loss. And how about what are probably two of the worst teams in all of baseball? The Baltimore Orioles travel to an empty Oakland Athletics Stadium to uh, play the Athletics. A's win the series 3-1 to one in the four-game series. Frankie Montas has a great uh, start in Game 1. Game 2 was the game we talked about before with like 3,000 or so people. Game 4 wasn't even better. They had 2,000 people. But Jordan Lyles was five innings pitched 6Ks, and Orioles only win of the series where they won 1-0 in Game 3. In Game 4, Sean Murphy was huge, 3 for 4, 3 RBIs, a homer. Christian Pachi also hit a homer. A's, you know, they, they have a good record to start the season. They take down the series from the Orioles 3-1. to one. And in a series we touched on uh, in our show that came out last Thursday, the Braves traveled to Los Angeles to have what is what was the, probably the most exciting series of the, of the week or most anticipated. The Dodgers did defend home 
turf. They get the win 2-1 to one in that series. Freddie Freeman get his, got his first Dodger home run in the first at-bat he had against Atlanta. That was in Game 1. Matt Olson went 3-4 for four in Game 1. Dodgers get the W. Game 2 was all Max Freed. He had a perfect game going through 6. He ended his day pitching 7 with 0 earned runs, giving up 2 hits and 8 Ks without walking a batter. Uh, and then Game 3 was all Freddie Freeman again. He went 3-4, for four, got a second home run of the series uh, as Dodgers won the series. And Cody Bellinger had 2 different games in the series where he went two for four. Bellinger's starting to look like he's maybe back to uh, his previous self. Yeah, Dodgers are scary right now. Uh, how about it? How about their NLS rival, San Diego Padres, hosted the Cincinnati Reds for a three-game series. The Reds are just a toilet team right now. Padres sweep them 3-0. Manny Machado goes six for nine with two homers in the series. Joe Musgrove just destroyed them. There was some controversy with a slide made by Luke Voigt into Tyler Stevenson. Both players got hurt, um, and Reds were not happy with Luke Voigt's slide, saying, you know, he came in too hard at the plate. But Padres get to sweep. Reds lose their ninth straight game in that series. Then you had the Arizona Diamondbacks travel to the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., to take on the Nationals. Uh, game one was postponed in this. But the D-backs then came around and won the series 2-1 to one in the remaining three games. Uh, Burns pitched five scoreless innings in game one. Didn't matter. Uh, the only run scored for the Nationals was a Vershaw home run. Uh, game two, uh, the D-backs offense finally woke up. They've been playing terribly. I think it was like one run over 30 innings they had going into last week. Uh, posted 11 runs in game two. That offense started to wake up. That was much because of Seth Beery went three for four with three RBIs. Kettle Marte went two for four uh, with an RBI and two runs. Um, and Varshaw has a second home run of the series. And then game three, uh, Hummel had a two hit, two RBI game. Um, really it was game four, but game three of the series uh, to help Arizona secure that series victory. How about two of the best teams in the National League early this year? Two of the, at least the best records in the National League. Giants, who came off a sweep in Cleveland, visiting the New York Mets for a four-game series. Mets, though, dominate, win the series 3-1. to one. Uh, The first two games were a doubleheader. Lindor walked it off in game one. Second game, Scherzer pitched for the Mets in his first game in New York. Threw the first pitcher this year to throw over 100 pitches. Only gave up one hit, 10 strikeouts. Looked amazing. Game three was the Giants' only win of the series. Carlos Rodon deals again. Brandon Belt goes deep on his birthday, and Giants win game three. But Carrasco was solid in game four. Lindor, another three-for-four day with a homer, gives the Mets a big three-to-one series win at home against a good Giants team. And following that, we have a great AL Central matchup. The Chicago White Sox traveled to Cleveland to face the Guardians. The Guardians swept them, winning all three games. Um, there was game one and two where it was postponed, but they did come back around and make up one of those games. Um, game one was a slaughter fest for Cleveland. They scored 11 runs. Nine of them came in the second inning uh, on the back of uh, Jose Ramirez, who nailed a grand slam. Bieber looks great in that start. He goes through six with one earned run. Uh, interesting side note on that, Dallas Keuchel pitched um, – and he pitched terribly. I mean, very terrible. And he blamed his defense after the game. Tim Anderson did record three errors in that game. 
Um, obviously, pitcher should not be blaming the defense, though, and he did. To me, it's important to note that he pitched. He got through the first inning. He gave up 10 hits. This is final line. One inning pitched, 10 hits, seven earned runs, 10 runs scored. Uh, He faced 11 batters in the second and did not record a single out. So if you are pitching to 11 (laughs) batters and can't get one out, you cannot turn around and blame your defense. Um, As I mentioned, Tim Anderson had seven errors on the day. Uh, He now leads the MLB in errors, added a couple couple later in the week um, reminded me of Fernando Tatis Jr. just can't get the defense done um, and that was game one which also saw um, Tim Anderson give the bird to the Cleveland fans he was suspended one game for that he uh, appealed that and we'll see what comes out of that game two uh, it was a very close game two to one Stephen Kwan the rookie saves the game with an outfield assist uh, tagging a run at the plate or outfield assist to the plate uh, and then game three, Frymel Reyes goes two for three with a two RBI home run. Josh Naylor goes two for four with three RBIs. Um, and Cleveland got the sweep. How about my St. Louis Cardinals visiting the Miami Marlins? Cardinals win the series two to one. Uh, Cardinals still yet to drop a series this year. Uh, they win the first two games. Game one, Pujols went two for three with two runs scored. Game two was 0-0 until the top of the ninth when Nolan Arenado hit a two-run homer to give the Cardinals a win 2-0. And it was all Marlins in game three. Jazz Chisholm hit an absolute bomb, and the Marlins really ran away with it to avoid the sweep, but Cardinals get the series win once again. In the American League matchup, we had the New York Yankees travel to Detroit um, to face the Tigers. The Yankees win the series 2-1. Game one, we saw Garrett Cole's worst start of his professional career, which we've talked about. That's the 1.2 inning pitch, two earned runs, walked five of 11 batters faced. Uh, game two of this series, uh, and the Yankees did win that game despite Garrett Cole trying to lose. Um, game two, this was the crazy Miguel Cabrera game. He goes three for four uh, from the plate to move to 2,999 hits. Uh, in game two, Rizzo also went two for four with a solo home run and an RBI double. Um, and then IKF, uh, Kinner, Isaiah Kinnerfalefa uh, had back-to-back two-hit days. Uh, and then the Tigers, down two games done, fought off the sweep in Game 3. They pitched a shutout by committee. Uh, in the eighth inning, as we mentioned earlier, Miggy came to the plate with 2,999 hits in a one-run game. Aaron Boone made the correct baseball decision and issued the intentional walk making himself public enemy number one, and karma instantly bit him as Austin Meadows came up to the plate, smashes a uh, two-run double. Tigers take that game three to nothing. How about a big AL East matchup? The Toronto Blue Jays travel to Fenway to play the Red Sox. Blue Jays win the series 2-1. The Red Sox only win of the series was in game one, where they were able to steal a win despite being out hit 8-3. Rest of the series was all Blue Jays, though. Five-run second inning, including a two-run homer from Ramal Tapia, who's been good so far for the Blue Jays, uh, gives them the edge in Game 2. In Game 3, Kevin Gossman, their new pitcher, eight innings pitched, one earned run, eight Ks, seals the deal. Toronto wins a big series in Fenway, and they're rolling in the AL East. Uh, We had an AL Central matchup as the Minnesota Twins travel to Kansas City to play the Royals. Royals defend the home stadium, going two-for-one on the series. Game one was all Salvador Perez hits two bombs in the game. Uh, game two, the Royals blanked uh, the Twins uh, by committee following five scoreless innings pitched from Daniel Lynch. Uh, 
Alberto Mondese also got an RBI with a bunt, which was just really cool. Um, also got the base hit from that bunt. And then in game three, it was definitely a pitcher's duel. The Twins won a 1-0 to zero game coming off of a sack fly from Miguel Sano in the second. Miguel Sano has been terrible on the year, batting .067. How about Rangers-Mariners? AL West matchup in Seattle. Three-game series. Mariners take it down 2-1. to one. Mariners have been looking really good. Robbie Ray solid in game one, uh, but the Mariners offense also hits three home runs, including a Eugenio Suarez three-run homer. Logan Gilbert has a great start for Seattle in game two, plus Adam Frazier goes three for four this game. And game three, it really looked like the Mariners are off to a hot start. They get five runs in the first inning, but not enough as Texas avoids the sweep. But Ty France and J.P. Crawford both go deep for Seattle. Ty France, I mean, that guy is like, hasn't been an all-star, but he could win AL MVP this year. Never know. Love that Mariners team. Uh, we had a premier matchup, not really premier, uh, two of the worst clubs in the NL Central. The Pirates traveled to Chicago to take on the Cubs. The Pirates were up 2-1 to one going into today's game, which was on a rain delay. Um, nothing too notable in the first couple games. Uh, Nico Horner did go 3-4 for four in a Game 2 loss. Uh, the real fun game came in Game 3 where the Chicago Bears came to town. Uh, as the Cubs dropped a 21-0 score on the Pirates. That was the first 20-plus point shutout for any Chicago major sports team since the late 80s when Ditko was coaching the Bears. So pretty impressive stuff. The Cubs legitimately may be better at football than the Bears. Um, to get to this point, Hendricks had seven scoreless innings, gave up two hits, no walks with two Ks. Uh, every single starter on the Cubs got at least five uh, at-bats. And in that 21-run game, there was only one home run hit by Alfonso Rivas. Um, Suzuki, before getting pitch hit for uh, Contreras, Ian Happ, and Alfonso Rivas all got three hits. Nico Horner went for four hits. He went four for five. Uh, so he had back-to-back games, three for four, four for five, looking to be scorching hot. And every single Cub recorded a hit. Uh, pretty fun game. Just a fun game to watch. Wrigley was going crazy. Yeah, fun if you're not a Pirates fan. Um, But how about NL Central? Cardinals visiting the Stinky Reds. Cardinals win the first two games of the series, extending the Reds' losing streak to 11 games, including that first game was the James' bet with Hunter Green on the mound. But Hunter Green didn't even cross 100 miles an hour. At least maybe he did once or twice, but his fastball was topping out at 96. But Paul Goldschmidt starts to get it going after a slow start. It's three hits, two RBIs in game one. Cardinals roll in game two as well, extending that losing streak to 11. But Reds snap it, win game three of the series, avoid the sleep. And tough start for Wayno, Uncle Charlie on the mound. But, you know, you can't win them all. Cardinals win the series, though. Still haven't dropped a series on the year. Yeah, and then we had the Giants travel to D.C. to play the Nationals. Um, That series concluded this afternoon. That was a 3-0 sweep in favor of the San Francisco Giants. Uh, Crawford went three for five with three RBIs in a game one romping. That was 7-1. Jock Pop came in for a two for four game uh, in the game two win. And then he came back today and batted three for three with three RBIs and a home run to secure the 12-2 victory, getting the sweep over the Nationals. How about a pretty controversial series this past weekend? Cleveland Guardians travel to the Bronx to play the Yankees. Yankees sweep it 3-0. Judge goes deep twice in game one to get the win. Yankees were down to their last out in the second game. 
uh, down by four, and Emmanuel Classe, or maybe it was four three. Emmanuel Classe gives up an RBI double to IKF. Uh, run scores. Guardians ended up losing in extras in game two, and today it was just a total rout. Um, Yankees put up double-digit runs. He got homers from DJ LeMahieu, Anthony Rizzo, LeCastro. Uh, all Yankees in the series sweep the Guardians 3-0. And then we had the Rangers going to play the Athletics in an AL West matchup. Um, trying to get the live score on that. The Rangers are up two games to none on the series. Currently, the Athletics are up uh, two runs to zero in this game three. Uh Nate Lowe went two for three with a two-run home run, uh, and Jonah Heim went two for three in Rangers big eight-to-one victory in Game One. Uh, Rangers blanked the A's in Game Two on the back of Mark- Martin Perez going six innings pitched scoreless. Uh, how about three, another? We'll see how that develops. Yep. Yeah, another AL East matchup: the Rays and the Red Sox. This game, in, this series in Tampa Bay, Rays win the series two-one today. Game One, Xander had three hits. He's just so hot right now. Uh, Rafael Devers hits a homer as the Red Sox beat the Rays in game one despite two home runs from Wander Franco. I mean, that kid is just, it's impossible to play. Game two was crazy. Uh, Rays throw a, a, no, a combined no-hitter, so multiple pitchers pitching, through nine innings. But then it gets to extra innings, still 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, Red Sox scored two runs in the top of the 10th, but not enough as the Rays scored three runs in the bottom of the 10th to steal a game. I mean, that was crazy. Um, to go nine no-hit innings, but not get the no-hitter because it goes to extras. Um, but then game three today, Red Sox score two runs in the first, but it's not enough as Shane McClanahan shuts them down for the rest of the game and Rays win the series 2-1 in Tampa Bay. Then, as we talked about earlier, you had the Colorado Rockies travel to Detroit uh, in what was probably the series of the year just because it resulted in Miguel Cabrera's 3,000th hit. That was in Game 1. Uh, first game on Friday was rained out, as we mentioned. Uh, in Game 1, Miguel Cabrera got hit 3,000 and 3,001. Uh, a great moment. Spencer Torkelson hit the home run, uh, the passing of the torch in Detroit. Uh, and Tyreek Skubal had six scoreless innings uh, as they blanked them in Game 1 of the doubleheader, 13-0. Game two, Connor Joe started the action off by looking at the first pitch he saw and hitting it back over the pitcher, over center field, and out for a home run. Rockies win that game, uh, and Rockies were ahead today. Um, great series. Looks like the Rockies get it done 2-1. to one. How about uh, an interesting AL East matchup? Marlins visiting Atlanta, and Marlins actually steal the three-game series from the Braves Winning 2-1. Still an, you know, a tough start for the Braves season. Kyle Wright gives the Braves the win and the only win of their series. He fans 11 batters. It gets 11 Ks in Game 1. Game 2, Jazz Chisholm, 4-hit day with a homer, 3 RBIs. Marlins win easily in Game 2. And Game 3, just finished a couple minutes ago, actually. Marlins win 5-4. Uh, they outhit the Braves 11-7, including three hits from Garrett Cooper. And Marlins steal the series in Atlanta. Braves move to 7-10. and Another AL Central matchup. The Chicago White Sox traveled to Minneapolis to play the Minnesota Twins. The Twins won the first two games of the series. And Game 3 right now is in the bottom of 10th with the White Sox up. Uh, the Twins have two outs to try and come from behind. 
and complete the sweep. Um, and the bottom of eight for, ga- for the game one win, the bottom of eight, Carlos Correa singled on a ground ball. Tim Anderson got another air, two runners score, twins win two to one. Um, game two was just a nine to two romp in which we saw Byron Buxton go four for four from the plate with a home run and an RBI double. Luis Arias also went four for five with a three RBI game uh, in that game two. And we will see runners just advance to third and second on a double steal. So definitely a game to be watching right now. How about a big name series? Toronto Blue Jays play the Houston Astros in Houston. Uh, game three is currently in extra innings. Um, but also I'll get to that. Blue Jays are up 2-0 in the series right now. One game one with Bradley Zimmer and Espinal uh, home run plus a big RBI double from Matt Chapman. Game two, Springer homers back in Houston and his return to Houston, and Espinal goes deep again for the Blue Jays as they get the win. In game three right now, Astros are winning 8-7 in the bottom of the 10th. Oh, so I guess, yeah, that obviously they win. Astros just walked it off to uh, take a game back. So Blue Jays still win the series 2-1, but Astros walk it off in game three to avoid the sweep. In a very non-exciting American League game, the Baltimore Orioles traveled out to Anaheim to play the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Baltimore won the first two games. Uh, Currently, we are mid-fifth of the third game with the Angels having a 6-3 lead. Um, Robinson Chirinos went 2-4 with three RBIs in the Game 1 victory. Uh, In Game 2, Mike Trout hit two home runs, went 3-5 on the day. It doesn't matter. Mountcastle had a three RBI day. Baltimore steals the series up two wins to none. And we'll see if the Angels can at least squeak one win and avoid the sweep. How about Royals Mariners? Mariners up 2-0 currently in the series. Game three still going on. Mariners lead 3-2 in top seven. But in the first two games, big hits from J-Rod and Kalenic, plus a three hit day from Eugenio Suarez. Get it done for the Mariners. And again, Game two, Ty France is just insane. Goes five for six with five RBIs and a homer. Mariners get 16 hits in their game two win. And again, in game three already today, which I said Mariners are up three to two. Ty France is two for three with two RBIs and a homer. Uh, Eugenio Suarez with a double. We'll see if the Mariners can hold on to get the sweep at home. And an NL West Central that is must-watch, or an NL West series that was must-watch baseball. You have the Dodgers traveling to San Diego to face the Padres, riding a nine-consecutive win streak versus the Padres. Uh, in Game 1, it was all Dodgers. They got the win there. Mookie Betts had a two-home run day, including a massive bomb to left field. Max Muncy also had a home run and a two-RBI double. Uh, those guys were Really needed to get it going, so that was good to hopefully get them out of the slump. Julio Urias looks great in that start. Uh, game two was all about you, Darvish. You, Darvish pitched a masterpiece. He went six innings, pitched one hit, seven Ks, no earned runs, walked three. Um, and at the end of the game, the Dodgers tried to claw back. Trey Turner in the top of the eighth had a two-run double to tie the game. It did not matter. Austin Nola had a walk-off sacrifice fly in the bottom of 10th. And even though Game 3 is currently in the top of the sixth inning, I am willing to call it for Los Angeles, who is up 10 runs to 1 in the top of the sixth with runners on third and second. Uh, you have a 
belly bombs today to report. Freddie Freeman got another home run. It is just a slaughter of an offensive game for L.A. right now. And how about wrapping up the rapid recap? We have the New York Mets, who are red hot, traveling to Arizona to play the Diamondbacks. Series is currently tied 1-1. Game 3 is in progress with the Mets up 2-1 in the top of the 7th. But so far, bullpen blow-up in Game 1 leads to a Mets tight win in extra innings. Um, and then Game 2 with a fantastic start from Humberto Castellanos. And the Mets continue to struggle on the mound in this game. And D-backs cool off the New York Mets, tie the series 1-1. We'll see what happens today. Mets up 2-1, leading five hits to three. We'll see who wins that. But, um, yeah, that's a rapid recap for this week. I think leading off that, we have some storylines to get into and and kind of unpack that we touched on maybe in the recap. And to me, the number one place, we just talked about the Mets. Let's kick it back to New York, the other team in the Bronx. And that is, Max, what did we see in the Saturday game, the Guardians and you—I mean, it was—it was no other word to describe it other than absolute and utter chaos at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, this was the game I mentioned where the Guardians were up and the Yankees were down to their last uh, last out in the game. Uh, so Stephen Kwan basically got injured on that play, that RBI double from IKF, runs into the wall, gets injured, um, and the Yankees end up winning in extras. But the big storyline came after the game when just beer cans and all types of trash started raining in from right field on Oscar Mercado um, out and right. And Miles Straw, who plays center field, ran over, and they were just getting, you know, just cans flying all over them. They have to, they're, like, catching them and throwing them away. Miles Straw climbs up on the fence, starts yelling at these Yankees fans who are just flipping him off and yelling right back. Um, it's just – it was just a really bad moment. Like, obviously, all Yankees fans aren't like this, but – but I've seen a lot of Yankees fans on Twitter like defending this behavior. This is not how like this is not how fans are supposed to behave. You don't throw shit at players. You don't. I mean, like you can chirp players all you want. That's fine. Players can you know you know words or whatever. But when you're throwing trash and beer cans at players, like we're talking about player safety at this point now. That's just totally uncalled for and not what sports should be about. And, you know, we've seen this type of behavior from Yankees fans before, and they just think it's okay. It's like, it's, it's just really bad. It's one of the, it's a terrible, terrible fan base over there. Well, and the one thing I do want to say, just to be clear, so the Miles Straw incident had nothing to do with, so actually really to take you through the event sequentially, uh, and first of all, I can understand part of the Yankees left field wall has chain link fence in it, which is what Quan ran into, which yeah. like that giant hazard you shouldn't have chain link fence anywhere a player can run into but he had some cuts on his face uh, and I guess a Yankees fan right on the edge was you know saying all kinds of things who really knows but essentially along the lines of happy he was injured uh so straw you know sticking up for his boy climbed up the fence no malice at the palace didn't get in the stands but brought himself face to face with a Yankees fan and more or less I can imagine that something like that's not cool you know don't, don't do that uh, probably not that eloquently but I saw a lot of Yankees fans citing that as a reason that this was fine. And, and first of all, we're talking about left field versus right field, so not even related. If you're going to chirp and yell down at players, there should be no hesitation if they climb the fence and yell right back. It's one thing if they strike you physically, but don't yell at someone if you can't take the chirping back. Um, you know, Maybe not the best display from Miles Straw, but at a certain point, yeah, he's a human being, you know, 
you're doing that. It's justified to get up there and yell at him. But again, like you said, what we saw in right field was crazy. And it wasn't one can. It wasn't two. It wasn't a couple rowdy guys. It was 30-plus projectiles yeah. being thrown at this place. If Mercado didn't catch what looked like at least a half-full beer, it was going to beam him straight in the head. Yeah, um, and you saw and it was Judge, just gross. You saw Aaron Judge and Stanton. Some of those guys were running over there to tell the fans to fuck off. Um, but And poor Glaber Torres just hit a walk-off to win the game. I mean, he's been struggling in New York this whole season, you know, not playing a lot and gets a – you know, a big moment, and that's totally overshadowed by disgusting behavior by the Yankees fans. Um, we'll see what type yeah. of punishments come down. I saw Yankees fans yelling that, like, Miles Straw should be suspended. And, like, he didn't even do anything, really. Like, he just hopped on the fence and started yelling back. Um, I don't, like, who knows what types of repercussions there'll be because it's hard to trace who threw what. And it was kind of like that whole mob going crazy. But it was just a, it was a sad moment, really. And, and, I mean, if you listen to the radio call by the Yankees play-by-play guy, I mean, he was sad. He was discouraged. And, obviously, this doesn't represent all of New York. But since it's not one, and I'll give a quick example. In the San Diego series, Cody Bellinger caught a routine uh, pop fly, and someone just chucked a beer can at him. That is one rogue guy. That is one insane person who should never be allowed in a baseball stadium. Right. Not really reflective of Padres fans. Uh, so, again, this can issue, like, if you're at a baseball game, if you're at any professional sports event, don't throw shit at players. It's a ridiculous move. It's uncalled for. And if I see a Dodgers fan doing it, we're going to throw hands. It's just not okay. But the Yankees, it was a mob. It was literally raining garbage on players. Yeah. Just at a certain point, it's more than one. You know, it's not all Yankees fans, but it, it is embarrassing. It's gross. If you're Yankees fans, it's really disheartening. And like you said, they they robbed – what should have been a great moment. You go to the ballpark and see a walk-off win. It doesn't really get better. And your immediate focus is to throw trash at the team who just lost. I mean, one of the more insane things I've ever seen in a baseball game. Yeah, and the team can't even enjoy the walk-off win and celebrate. They had to go, you know, take care of their children out in right field. It's like a joke. Like, let's all celebrate together instead of raining trash down on the right fielder. Like, they were lucky to win that game. And, I mean, look at this. They're coming off a sweep with a walk-off, and the only story is, oh, my God, Yankees fans are out of control. I mean, that is, like, the stories of the series. The Yankees fans are insane in the head. Uh, There's no reason. There's no – and I've seen too much on Twitter already, people trying to find – there's zero justification for that. It needs to get out of there. I don't know how they deal with this. Today they had, quote-unquote, increased security. But just that can't happen. And if you see nope. someone with your team's jersey on throwing stuff at players, you have an obligation to your team to stop that because it looks bad for everyone. Yep, totally agree. Um, James, how about you jump off our next segment here? Um, yeah, we had sad, sad news out of Baltimore. Baltimore has been playing a lot better than expected with the roster they had. Uh, part of that was John Means, who, who was really the best arm in that rotation. He threw a no-hitter last year. Unfortunate news, after eight innings pitched this season, he uh, is positive. He has Tommy John. He will be done for the year, um, but he seems to be a good spirits on the rehab and, and comeback. But really sad news. You hate to see anyone get injured, especially an injury like Tommy John, um, and really disruptive to that Baltimore team because that, that was basically their pitcher. Right. I, I think what you said is right. This team has, you know, semi-overperformed already. Look, we're 15 games in. They're 6-9. and nine. They're by no means a competitive team, but you know that's that's not bad. They they've had some you know pretty big series wins. They stole some against the Brewers, the Rays. Um, 
So you Angels. Know, they, yeah, yeah, they have some good wins. Um, but this is just a huge blow to that rotation that was obviously already pretty weak. Um, so they'll be missing John Means for the rest of the season. Tommy John's not what it was 10 years ago. So I think we can probably expect a full recovery and him to be back by opening day next year. But it's just, you know, if you're an Orioles fan, it's hard to already find things to root for. And now this is just another another blow. Yeah, so the really terrible thing, wishing him nothing but the best in uh, recovering. Hopefully Baltimore keeps it going in, in his absence. And uh, the last real storyline we have to unpack before we get into spicy and dicey in Sunday Night Baseball, there's been a lot of unwritten rules controversy the last couple weeks in baseball, uh, and they all surround the San Francisco Giants in some <laughs> way or another, get their way into it. And it's mainly because, you know, Gabe Kepler and the boys refuse to – Stop trying to win at all costs. That is their mindset. They're God unapologetic forbid. about it. Yeah, and, and it's like so. The setup. What what this newest one was? The Giants were up seven to one versus the Nationals. Um, right. I believe yes. it was the yeah seven, seven to one, one eighth inning. So it's seven to one. It's not like it's twenty one zero in that Cubs Pirates game, and the Cubs are trying to get a bump base hit in the ninth. Like it's a seven one game. It's a six run game. Teams put up six runs in an inning. But basically, Giants are up 7-1. They try to, you know, do some fancy stuff to advance runners, get run a hit and run, try to steal bases, because that's how you play baseball and have, that's, how you, that's how you get runs across the plate. Um, and basically, whiny old Davey Martinez, the manager of the Nationals, threw a fit and was saying, well, you need to talk to Gabe Kapler about that behavior. Like, dude, it's 7-1. It's to one. Like it's a seven-one game. This is this game is not out of reach. There's still two innings left, and this is, came off a controversy the other day, similarly with the Giants, where uh, I think they were playing the Padres, and they were up big at the end. I think that was more of a ten-run game, and uh, the the player on the Giants, I forget who it was, but bunted for a base hit late in the game, and you know Eric Hosmer, the first baseman of the Padres, was not happy about it, and. Gabe Kepler even gave him the talking to when he got back. But this one, I think, is just outrageous. Like, it's I mean, a 7-1 game. To, to even just set the table, so what happens is the hit and run is, is run. The runner was on first. He comes around trying to score running the hit and run and taking some bases. Gets tossed out at the plate. Important to note it. Like, it ended and out. And coming off the field, Alcides Escobar and Victor Robles were freaking out, running and screaming at the Giants' dugout, essentially saying, how dare you try and collect bags and win baseball games. And, and I like where you're at. I mean, 10-run game, sure, maybe. But, like, it's seven. What we've seen teams score six innings pretty routinely. They have Josh Bell. They have Juan Soto. I mean, there's – it's just – it's getting to a certain point where I hate these old unwritten rules because it's like we, we are channeling new analytics. Baseball is innovating. You know, it's always changing. It's getting super modern, super fun electric guys. And there's still these 90-year-olds shaking their hands at the world going, no, we're not allowed to play. Like, you can't try. You know, I think of, like, some of that we've seen Tatis get yelled at for hitting pitches. Um, it, it's just insane stuff. And it's like it's a six-run game. Get over it. If you don't want that to happen, don't get hit. I mean, that's it. If you don't want this stuff to happen, do not lose games. The Dodgers don't cry about this. The Cardinals don't cry about this. Because they win games, I mean, it's just it's getting ridiculous at this point. And like, unless the Nationals are willing to sign an agreement that they also refuse to hit and are not going to try and come back and win, then you can't do this. I and mean, look, if both teams like, and it's also like the game was seven one. The Giants scored seven runs in that second inning. 
It's like, why couldn't the Nationals score seven runs in an inning, two, and win the game? Like, the Giants did it in that game. They put up seven runs in one inning. And so we're just going to basically bank on the fact that the Nationals won't do that. It's just like, like, stop throwing a hissy fit and play baseball. Like, if it's 18-0 to and they're bunting for base hits, like, okay, then it's like, yeah, like, let's just get the game over with. But this game is within reach. It's well within reach. It's not even like it was the ninth inning. And it's just kind of ridiculous. And I think most people are on a, in, in agreement with us. You know, I've seen a lot of baseball Twitter jumping on our side, like taking the same stance. But I'm just tired of the unwritten rules. Like, you play to win the game. And when you're winning the game, you play to get as many runs as you can across the board. Every time you step to the plate, the goal is to get a hit. Yeah, and I mean, one thing just every team and manager should now know, if you're playing the San Francisco Giants until 27 outs are recorded on both sides of the game, they will not stop. So stop complaining about it and know you're going to have to play nine innings to beat that team. Um, And another example I saw on Twitter, and I don't have the specifics in front of me, but there was a game in 2018 where the Cubs had a big like nine-run lead. They went to playing station to station baseball and they were beat. The other team came back, had a massive inning and beat them. So it's like, okay, it's happened. We have the proof of it happening. Um, it's just insane stuff. I mean, we got to get these people out of baseball. Like, let's keep this exciting. Yeah, um, I'm totally with other, other update. I just have to break in live and say that the twins did in fact complete the sweep. Byron Buxton walks it off with a, 469-foot walk-off, the longest walk-off home run in the StatCast era. Incredible stuff there. White Sox now on a seven-game losing streak. Twins swept that series. Yeah. How about, do you want to jump into Spicy and Dicey now? Yeah, I I think it's time. All right, let's do it. Let's cue that Spicy and Dicey intro music. James spicy and dicey one team that's high this week one team that's low this week give me your high team oh there's there's a couple I could go with um in the interest of kind of keeping it exciting I'm gonna pick the Colorado Rockies you know they're not exactly going crazy they're four and two on the week uh nine and five record on the season six and four over the last ten but it's just the expectations. They are way outperforming the expectations. They've looked pretty solid outside of the one route against Detroit. Um, I mean, to me, it's very early in the season, but it looks like they're showing that that team can be competitive, that it's not instantly going to be a tank fest and that they are going to sneak some, some wins out and it's going to be tough to play against them. So maybe not the best team in baseball, but they've been hot and, you know, you just, you can't, it's not like, oh, we're playing the Rockies. Don't worry about it. No, it's a legitimate team. Uh, CJ Cron's been on a tear. Uh, so that's the team that just has to watch that they're causing some controversies, upsetting, upsetting some teams, stealing series. Yeah, I like it. You know, we talked a little bit about the Rockies last time when I said CJ Cron was my player of the week. Um, but yeah, they have Chris Bryant's raking. Charlie Blackman hit his first homer. Uh, it's a pretty good team. It's fun to watch. But my... My spicy team this week, I got to do it. I'm taking the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, They did drop a game today to the Reds. It's unfortunate, but what can you do? They haven't lost the series yet. They won two out of three against Cincinnati, two out of three against Miami. Uh, They beat the Royals in a one-gamer. 
Uh, you know, they're just playing really well right now. They're ahead of the NL Central. They're nine and five right now, three and one at home, uh, plus 19 run differential. They have Nolan's batting 426, Tommy Edmonds batting or has a uh, on base percentage. Nolan's 426 on base percentage, Tommy Edmonds 400 on base percentage, Andrew Kisner, Yachty's backup catcher, has a 375 on base percentage. Um, uh, Goldie hasn't started great, but you know he'll pick it up. Bader's been looking good. O'Neill has struggled, but he'll get it going. This is just a team that I think they're getting they're getting production from all points of their lineup. And I think another important thing is, you know, there's been a lot of questions about the rotation without Flaherty and, you know, an old Wainwright leading the rotation. But we've gotten great starts from Miles Michaelis, Stephen Matz, and Dakota Hudson. Um, they all had questionable first starts, but ever since they've been lights out. Wainwright struggled a little bit, but it also helps when you have the best defense in baseball. So, you know, I, I'm, I've liked what I've seen from the Cardinals so far. And we have a big test this week, Monday, Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, three-game series against the Mets. So it should be a big test. I'm high on the Cardinals right now. Yeah, and my honorable mention, I guess, would just be if I wasn't going to have some fun or a little bit more fun of a pick, it's got to be the Blue Jays. Uh, seven and three in the last ten. They're on a four-game win streak. Just they, They're on a tear. Uh, league best ten wins. Uh, that team looks terrifying. It looks like the Atlantic Division is theirs to lose already. Um, Max, let's go into uh, Dicey. Give me uh, – the team that you're not so hot on recently. Yeah, sure. I'm going to go with a team. Um, so this team, a, a major reason why they've been struggling is just their continued injury issues. But I'm going a team that's 6-9 and nine right now, and that's the Chicago White Sox. Um, this is a team that was, as we talked about, huge favorites to win the AL Central. And it's a long season. They still could. But right now, they have Josh Harrison on the IL, Eloy Jimenez on the IL, who got hurt yesterday. He's expected to be out till June 5th, uh, Ryan Burr's on the aisle, Luis Roberts on the aisle, Joe Kelly's on the aisle. They don't have Lance Lynn or Lucas Giolito. Um, Yerman Mercedes, Yohan Moncada, all these guys that they have that are corners that are like, you know, going to be in their everyday October uh, lineup. All of these guys are hurt. So, you know, they're down be partly because of that, but still, it's been a tough start for the season for White Sox fans. They're six and nine. They're two and eight in their last ten. They're on a seven-game losing streak right now. Um, it's just tough looks for the White Sox early in the year. Yeah, and I love that pick. That they certainly were on my short list. Uh, again, a lot of that can be attributed to injuries, but still, like you were a near minus two hundred favorite in your division. It doesn't even look like they're they're gonna you know be there right now. They're in the middle of the division, so we'll see if the health picks up and they can get it back going. But certainly, uh, the White Sox are a much easier team to play than you would think right now. That's for sure. Yeah, who do you got? Who's your down team, dicey team? Well, so and you know this is super easy. I'd really prepared to go in the Chicago White Sox avenue, mm -hmm. but I did prepare a backup, and this is like the lowest low hanging fruit in the history of the world. That's the Cincinnati Reds. Back I mean, back for you, or, yeah, the, like. They perennially have to be, like, in the dicey. And, like, I, I don't know if I can do them three times in a row. I may just have to be, like, they're forever dicey and just, like, keep picking other teams. Even though they were but spicy I, week one. They were. They I mean, they went spicy to back-to-back -back dicey, one of the crazier turns in a podcasting slash baseball history. But they have been since that, that first series where they stole it from the Braves, and it's like, oh, this red team could do something. Phil Castelloni – the owner had his stupid comments that we discussed. And since then, they have been terrible 
Um, I, I tried to do the law of average bet when I took my lock of the week against them. Unfortunately, I just picked the wrong date. I knew they would win one in St. Louis. That was today. Bet the wrong game. But outside of that, I mean, they've been terrible. They're one for five on the week. Um, and outside of today, their first win, you had to go back to the first week of baseball. They were on a, I think, nine-game losing streak. I mean, it is, it has been abysmal. Joey Votto slumping, and, like, of course, at this team, has Joey Votto slumping? Like, they're screwed. There's n- negative offense to be had. The pitching has not looked good, as we mentioned. And, and this is a testament how crazy Hunter Green is. The story was, like, he only was pitching 96-mile-an-hour fastball. Couldn't hit triple digits. So, insane player. But even the velo ticked down a bit. Um, hopefully, there's no injury there. And, and you know, it's just maybe nerves or something or just didn't have the gas that particular day. But this Reds team, I mean, it it's hard to watch. If you're a Cincinnati fan, like, I'm sorry. It's just, it's hard to watch. It is. Yeah. I mean, it is low hanging fruit. They're three and 12 now um, coming off an 11 game losing streak. They just don't really have any offensive production. Their pitching's not there. It's just nothing really is going there in Cincinnati. But James, as we do every week, Sunday night baseball, um, you know, favorite game of the week. This week we have an interesting one. We have the Milwaukee Brewers at the Philadelphia Phillies. This is the uh, the grudge match in this series. Actually, it's currently tied 1-1 uh, in game one. It was a three-run eighth inning from the Phillies to propel them to the win with RBIs from Bryce Harper and Alec Bohm. Game two, Zach Wheeler struggled again, um, had a really tough start, and gave up four runs in the fifth inning. Hunter Renfro goes three for four. Uh, with a homer and Adamas steals home on a crazy first and third play. And so it's series tied 1-1. Today we have Eric Lauer versus uh, Aaron Nola on the mound. Um, So, you know, not any of the Brewers' ace pitchers, not Peralta Burns or Woodruff, but should still be an interesting matchup. James, what are your thoughts about the series? What's your bet that um, you want this week? Yeah, I mean, I think the series is maybe for Sunday Night Baseball, it's a little bit of a letdown, and that's only because I think if this was the peak Brewers versus the peak Phillies, like that's an incredible matchup. That's must-watch baseball. We haven't really seen that. Milwaukee's starting to get the rotation in order a little bit. Philly's been banging some, but not enough. Uh, So it's still going to be good to watch. I think the excitement in this matchup for me, quite frankly, seeing those Philly bats just like let see if they can hit anything. As you mentioned, uh, you know, they're not facing the crazy Milwaukee aces. Uh, so we'll see, see what Yelich can do. Uh, but just, I always look forward to Sunday night baseball. I love, it's kind of that perfect transition for me. End the week on a good note, start yeah. the next week on a good note. So looking forward to the matchup. Not sure if I'm going to listen to K-Rod or regular. I know I want to catch some of the regular broadcasts, but don't want to miss any of those, uh, K-Rod, uh, guest, guest interviews that are so great. Um, but what I have to lean into, the Sunday night baseball bet, um, and we've talked about this off the air, but we have been terrible on bets. I think we are 0 for 8 right now. So <laughs> f- fading us is maybe the best way to make money yeah. from our our bets. But I had to really dig into the tank. I've done a lot of thinking, a lot of number crunching, and I'm going back to a harder bet to predict. I'm back in the player prop department. Mm. You know, I just, I couldn't, to me, it was hard to pick a team. The odds weren't right. So I'm going player props. I have JT Realmuto Mm. 
RBI, the over, it's, it's 0.5. So the question is, does he get an RBI or not? I'm taking the over on 0.5, indicating that JT Realmuto will get an RBI, and that is at plus 195 odds. I've got that. I love where he's sitting in that cleanup hole. I expect with uh, Bryce in front of him that he'll get at least a runner on at a point. He's played pretty well in the last couple days, had some big games, expecting him to bring one home, uh, and that's my bet. Okay. Okay, I like it. I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm going first inning over point half runs, so at least one run scored in the first inning. It's plus 110 odds. I just think, you know, Aaron Nola is a good pitcher, um, but, you know, he's been struggling this year, and Eric Lauer is not one of their top rotation guys. I could easily see, you know, just one jack being sent to start Sunday Night Baseball off. I'm taking one run first, in, or at least one run scored in the first inning, plus 110 odds. I like it. That's my bet. Yeah, I, I like the bet. I could see uh, the bats coming alive early in this series, and we'll know pretty quickly in the Sunday Night Baseball uh, if you got it or not. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Well, James, should we jump to our post-game review? Yep, those are the bets. That's what we're looking at. Looking forward to the game, and we will catch up with you in just a minute after the game. All right, we're back, James, post-game. 0-0 game into the ninth inning. Brewers win it 1-0. Give me your thoughts. I mean, I don't even know what to say. Um, I think it's also important to note that we both lost our bets. Again, we are collectively 0 for 2 today, 0 for, 0 for 10 on the season. Uh, I, I mean, I did say, like, fade our bets, <laughs> fade our bets to get money. I think that before I even get into the game, I'm going to get into the bets because it was just a kick below the belt for me. Uh, I, I mean, it had a little bet sheet of, like, what am I going to take? And I had three things on there. I had the, the under in the game, but I never bet unders because, like, there's a point like with unders, you can lose. Like you can get to the fifth inning and be done with an over. You're always live until the end of the game. So I hate taking <laughs> unders. But I had under written down. Of course, didn't hammer it. Then I had JT Riamuto RBI written down, which you know that's what I took. Didn't end up happening. The other thing that I had written down, the first thing I put on the damn sheet was Christian Yelich RBI. It was plus two forty five. That's what I didn't take. That is how the one run was scored on a Christian Yelich sacrifice fly. Um, I mean, it's a trash game. Like, I am dissatisfied. Like, if you like pitching, that's great. And I love great pitching. You know, I kind of got into this with you a little bit. But, like, you don't click – you don't tune into this game for a pitching duel. You know, this isn't Corbin Burns for Zach Wheeler. Like, I'm not – like, yeah. it's just Sunday night baseball. I, all eyes are here. Like, let's see some, some exciting baseball, in, in my opinion, that is, like, the furthest thing from what we got. I mean, like, so yeah, we're zero and ten. That's pretty. <laughs> it's hard to even say out loud. But yeah, my I I in the pregame I predicted this would be a higher scoring game where my bet was we get runs in the first inning, and you know I just thought Eric Lauer versus Aaron Nola, you know, they're serviceable pitchers. Aaron Nola is you know more than a serviceable pitcher on the Phillies rotation, but Eric Lauer just I mean, six innings pitched, thirteen strikeouts. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like what was that? Uh, but we're just totally off base with our predictions. Yeah, I mean, like, look, it was a good game. There was some great pitching, but like, oh, like I don't know. It's just on Sunday night baseball, especially like I'm really, and I even said this like pre-show, like I'm tuning in to watch 
the Phillies bats. Like that is what I like. I locked in. I was like, we're gonna watch some people smash some baseballs, and like that could not be further from the truth. Um, you know, it's like a fun game, but like I don't know. Definitely the worst Sunday night game we've gotten thus far. Like, um, and I don't know what broadcast you watched. I didn't watch the uh, K Rod at all. I kept it original, but I, no, I didn't either. And I missed the K Rod. I think I'm. I think I'm going to be back in for K Rod again because at least when you get a terrible game like that, you get guests and some stuff to watch. Right, I mean, it's not terrible. Right. Like it's not fair for me to say it's a terrible game. It's a very good pitching display, but like. I don't know. I wasn't in the mood for a pitch in this place. That's part of it. It's like, what What are you going in with? Um, and before we, we went live, I did say, I think that both the Phillies and Brewers got to be banned from Sunday Night Baseball the rest of the season. And you informed me that next week we get to watch this Phillies team get shut out again on Sunday night. I mean, this is just, do you know, who are they playing in that game? I may make my pick right now. Uh, the Mets. The Mets. LFG, hey, smash the under. Battle. Smash the under. I mean, it'd be it'd be cool if it's like Scherzer Wheeler or something, but well, that's, it'll probably be like Carrasco versus somebody. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, and it's probably not the right mindset, but like, I'm in for a pitcher's duel. If like you have an established pitcher, like I am all for watching Scherzer go toe to toe with you know, like you Darvish, Walker Bueller. I'm all in for some good toe to toe matchups, but like, you know, props to the pitchers. Like they pitched out of their minds. I'm, they did pitch out of their minds. I mean, I said Lauer on six innings pitched, gave up five hits, one walk, 13 strikeouts. And Aaron Nola on seven innings pitched, one hit, one walk, nine strikeouts. It just seems like such – it's such a tough game to lose for the Phillies. Like, you are you split the series 1-1. You're at home, big Sunday night game against the Brewers, and you get the start you wanted out of your guy, Aaron Nola. I mean – this is a team that's heavy offensively, and what we were worried about was their defense and their pitching, and they get a stellar outing, but their 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 offense just can't get it going. Hoskins went 0 for 4. Harper went 0 for 4 with 3 Ks. Castellanos went 1 for 4 with 3 Ks. Um, and then Schwarber got ejected at the end there by Angel Hernandez. That was kind of entertaining. Well, and, you know, you did shoot me a text, and you're like, well, why is Angel Hernandez still umpiring? Which is great, because he did. They tried to get rid of him, and he brought the uh, lawsuit that it was segregation. And the U.S. courts <laughs> had to literally tell him, no, you just blow at your job. Like, they were like, there, there's no – like, you just are not good at – you are objectively terrible at your job. But this is the pro- – got to break up the MLB umpires union. Because, like, actually the fact that Angel Hernandez has a job is incredible. Like – I mean, he does the equivalent of batting, like, 180. Like, he's the quality of umpire. He bats 180, and they're just every year. Bring him back. Why does he still get these, like, late-night primetime games, too? Like, like well, why are they putting him on at the all eyes on him? What's weird is that— They're on an A's-Orioles Tuesday afternoon game. Yeah, that's a great game. That's like, that is Angel Hernandez' matchup of the year. But, like— that was like the exact ruling was because he said they were discriminated by not letting him do like playoffs or like yeah. big games. And they were like, dude, you just are so bad. We can't have you do this. Like it's bad for baseball. So it's like, it does pose the question. Like if he isn't competent enough for playoffs, maybe you don't pit him on like the, the one game that exists by itself. And then also like, if that's going to happen, bring out the juiced balls, let's get PDs in these guys. I mean, come on. Like, that was just boring. I mean, it wasn't boring. Like, there was great pitching. There was many, many times I was like, that's a disgusting pitch that, like, I couldn't even dream of hitting. Right. But, like, 
Dude, you give me a line, and I think it's more, my problem is much more with the Phillies, because like you built a lineup, you built a roster this offseason with the single premise of, like, if we hit enough home runs, we can win baseball games. And then they were like, what if instead of hitting home, what if we just don't hit the ball at all? Like, new strategy, don't hit the baseball. Yeah, and you talked about, like, the how the, the pitchers kind of lacked that Verlander, Scherzer, star power. Like, even the, the guys who got big hits today, like, they weren't the big guys. Yelich had a big RBI at the end, obviously, but Willie Adamas went over three. Uh, McCutcheon just got one hit. Like I said, Bryce Harper had three Ks. Castellanos didn't do great. Like none of the stars lived up to the bright lights of Sunday Night Baseball. It but, seems like it was he, kind of like the guys you wouldn't expect. Yeah, I mean, and Yelich, like, yes, he got the RBI, albeit on a sack fly. Like, and I guess what I think is like, if I'm Major League Baseball. I'm trying to market Sunday Night Baseball as like the you know like I'm trying to get as many fans like this is the time this is the premier like if you watch one game a week like in my opinion if you watch one random baseball game a week it's got to be Sunday Night Baseball from the league's perspective on normal people so it's like golly if that was someone's first MLB game they watched of the season and they're like this is it like I right. sat here for three hours to watch a sack fly in the ninth I mean like I, I don't know it's just. It's tough, like you said, the the stars weren't there. It, it's just hard to come out of that game and be like, "Oh, this was awesome!" Like, right? It's a good close game. Like you had that, but it's like, man, it would have been nice to see some people step up, see some electric plays. Um, and that's just, you know, that's that's not what we got. So hopefully, uh, we get a, something a little bit better next week in the NL East matchup. Um, you know, and even if it is like that pitcher's the it's like you said, just some star power, like something. Because like if you lock into that, like that's something you can get behind. Like okay, I'm gonna watch filthy pitching. Like no problem with that. Right. Um. You know. Well, I mean, what, like, what can you do? It was, it was, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was a good win for the Phillies. Um, for the Brewers, they, they got a stellar pitching performance. Oh yeah, Brewers, my bad. They got a stellar pitching performance. And the Phillies are things they should take from this game that are positive. Like, you know, they know they have the offensive firepower. It's not going to come every night, and it didn't come tonight. You probably wish it could have, but that's just reality is it's not going to be there every night. You should be happy that you got such a stellar pitching outing from your number two option in the rotation. I think that's a great thing to take from this game. Um, and you, you just got to know that, like, the offensive production will come with a team with a lineup like that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's some good points to build on. But, you know, it's like you said, you have a split series. You're at home, Sunday Night Baseball. You know, you already are a below 500 team. It's a game you got to find a way to win. And, and when you have Nola give you his best start thus far in, in this, you know, we're in a very small time frame, but that was definitely his best start of the season. You know, you'd like to capitalize there. Um, like to see the Phillies win. And maybe it juices them up. Uh, next week for Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, what's probably going to happen right. is I'll probably fade the Phillies and may, may score 35 runs next game. I may take the under. <laughs> it's just literally, they're like, this is the first MLB game that is a triple-digit score. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it. at least you had the pitcher's duel element. At least that kind of gave some life to the game of, like, you know, yeah. mat matching that guy. It'd be worse if it was just kind of like, all right, we can we loaded the bases with singles, station to station singles every inning, and no one scored them. Like that probably is worst case scenario, maybe. Um, yeah, I agree. 
but yeah, I mean, it was still Sunday baseball. It's still a classic tradition. Um, I think I'll be excited to get back to K-Rod. And all this is building up for is when we finally hit a bet that we called on air, it's going to have to be a freak out at this point. Because this streak, I mean, this yeah. is this is a Chris Davis Baltimore-esque streak. I mean, this is insane. Over 10 is a tough start. I mean, how do, how is that even possible? I mean, part of it's like we're not taking even odds bets. So, like, a couple of mine have been, like, plus 450, plus 600. So, you know, but still, to not hit one bet, because not all of them have been like that, to not hit a single bet so far is is something. But we'll be back on Wednesday with or Thursday with our lock of the week. So, yeah, I'm putting a ton of time in. <laughs> I'm, I'm scaling it way back and hitting the numbers harder than ever because it's just like, what am I doing getting cute with RBI player props? Even though if I took the first one that came to my head, it would have hit, you know. Right. What am I doing? It's like we got we got to pull back the covers, dig in, and uh, find a way to hopefully make a bet and make some people some money. Because certainly all I'm doing is losing myself money. Well, it was it was a you know it was a game. We'll be back next week with another Sunday night baseball. I like the segment. I think it's fun to recap the game afterwards. Um, but James, I mean, I, anything else you want to talk about from this game? Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything for the game. I would just direct everyone back to, you know, or follow the show, uh, follow our Twitter account, Rounding Third Now. We're always tweeting, getting active, throwing some polls out there, throwing highlights out there. Um, yeah. And looking to get even some new, fresh ideas on content going there. So give us a follow there. Um, tweet along with your thoughts. And, uh, you know, that's it. Thanks for listening. We'll, we'll be excited to be back in the saddle Thursday and, and uh, keep this thing rolling. Yes, sir. Episode 30 next week. That's, you know, kind of a milestone. Episode uh, 30. We're but, getting places. Yep. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, everyone.